0: Welcome. Good to see you. Two and a half years. I've been telling the folks, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been telling the folks who were here the last time. Um, I've forgotten everything, so I'll mostly just be making it up. So if there's something you don't like, don't worry. It'll change for next week. Uh, I'll try to go do some homework. We, um, gosh, I'm so excited to be back. Um, Every time we do this, something changes. Uh, I hope for the better. This, oh, I'm not supposed to do that yet. Oh, yeah. I have a whole, I have a wonder, okay. The brains of this operation sit right back there, my wife, Laurie, with the jacket, she's the one who makes the notes and keeps me on track, which if you don't think that's a full-time job... Who brought the candy? I don't know, but we're thankful for the candy bringers. Yeah, thank you so much. We share that that, um, thing. If, like, here comes Halloween... So if you're like me, you go on November 1st after all the unsold Halloween candy is there and you get it real cheap and then you just bring it. And we eat candy all the time. Well, you do. I don't. And I mean, I eat candy, uh, but not while I'm talking. Try not to. So anyway, Larry, I'm looking. larry has got a whole bunch of preliminary slides, so we're going to do that. Um, let's see. Did everybody have a clipboard at their table? Anybody need a clipboard? Okay, so we need to, we need a clipboard over here. We need to, actually we need, they need to just sign up back there and back here. It's the back row Baptists who need the, uh, the clipboards. Oh, one word before I forget it. Um, if Okay, so like today, the Cowboys played at noon. And it was good news. If the Cowboys play at 3.30, then we don't talk about it here. And if you're watching it on your phone and I catch you... We're going to take your phone away, because there are some people who record it and watch it after class, and they don't want to know who wins before they watch it. So we just do them a courtesy, and we don't talk about the Cowboys. I don't think anybody cares about anyone else, but if you do, sorry, probably can't help you, but if the Cowboys play at noon, great, but if they play at 3.30... We don't talk about the Cowboys, win or lose, if they're playing the 3.30 game. And I'll know next week if attendance is really down, because you're at home choosing the Cowboys over Bible study. That's why we're taking attendance and making these lists. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Oh, I get to that. Yes, it is hard to live with me. Pray for Laurie. She really needs the prayer. Um, Let's see. I think what I'm going to do... Gosh, we got... Okay, I'm going to go through the preliminary slides, and then I'm going to pray. And then we'll get started with our lesson. All right. So, preliminary. Oh, really? Really? Oh. Okay. So I gotta hit two things, Andrew. This may be more than I can handle. Okay. Sixty minutes of lecture. So when we get here, we're gonna start at five. I gotta jump to it because right now there's a camera right back there. That this time we are taking making a video. The audio and the video of the class. So if you miss one and you're on the email list. And you let us know, then we can send you, I think it's going to be on YouTube. Anyway, uh, it'll probably be up by Monday or Tuesday, and so you can watch it if you miss. But I don't start that recording until after the Cowboys season is over. So I know, some of you I saw, oh, yes, next week I can watch the Cowboys and watch this on YouTube. No, God is watching you. All right, 60 minutes of lecture. We're going to do the books of the Old Testament in chronological order. Honey, did you ask why? Oh, that's why I'm supposed to answer that question. Why? Most people, so I didn't know the Old Testament very well, and I started studying it, and you get these bits and pieces, like back from Sunday school, and you've heard some various people, and you go, that. Actually, there's a lot of your Bible that's Old Testament. Have you ever noticed that before? Like, the most of it. It's not a book prop to make the New Testament closer for you to read. It actually has great stuff in it. And if or since our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we should see the same God in the Old Testament that we do in the New Testament. And, in fact, we do. And so I think you'll enjoy that. Second, we're going to tell you the story of the Old Testament, because if you think they put the books in chronological order in the Old Testament, you would be mistaken. And so by the time you hit the prophets, you're going, why are these people writing these things? If you understand the context in which they're writing, all of a sudden light bulbs will go on. You'll say Oh, I totally get why the prophets were saying what they were saying, because the people were doing what the people were doing. So hopefully that'll enlighten all of us again, uh, because I need to learn it again, too. Okay, some of the books will be one lesson, some of the books will be several. Genesis is five lessons, that's about ten chapters a week start reading. We'll do Isaiah. You know you know that that's a big, long book. We'll do Isaiah in two nights. Just saying. Get ready. We're going to fly over this. Uh, some books will really slow down because there's some great character studies, but other books, we're going to go really, really fast. So remember, this is a survey. My goal is to give you enough of a skeleton that The next time you look at the Old Testament, you go, I get where this fits, okay? Uh, some of you are going to be frustrated because you're like, whoa, 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 I want you to stop and slow down and talk about that for 13 lessons. Th- that would be a lot of fun, but we're not going to do that. This is uh, 94 lessons anyway, and most people by the 94th one are thanking God that it was not 95, So, we've kind of got this thing timed out a little bit. Okay, questions. You will have, you might have questions. I love to hear myself talk. Therefore, I don't take questions during the class. Because it's set, and I'm flying through it. And after we go through a few weeks of this, you go, I get why there's no questions. Happy to answer questions before class. Happy to answer questions after class. But during class, we're just moving straight forward. Okay, let's see. Oh, oh, yeah, then there's that. Okay, and for those of you who've been here before, you know that if your question is uh, too hard, you will, in fact, write the paper, <laughs> and I'll look at it, and then we can distribute it, okay? So you'll do the research, and you'll come up with the answer, and then you can share it with us. So, on your questions, uh, make me feel smart and ask easy questions. Then you won't get a paper. (laughs) All ages are welcome. I've had people say, can my, you know, whatever year old uh, come to class? Uh, If they can sit through it, they are welcome to come. Uh, Some more mature material will be PG. That's like a movie rating. There's not going to be any dirty stuff. And um, like in Song of Solomon, I will use appropriate euphemisms, which you can choose to explain to your children later if you wish, if they come. Uh, Let's see. Oh, and food and drink is okay. Yeah, obviously. Okay, resources. So this year, we're doing video instead of audio only. Uh, and it'll be available within a couple of days online. Uh, I think it's going to YouTube. We're no longer making the CDs. Is that working if I just do this? Maybe that'll work. Uh, the handouts. Oh, gosh, this is driving me crazy. Uh, what Laurie does is she takes my slides and she adds to it and she makes Notes. So that you don't, if you feel like you need to write everything, you don't have to do that. You can follow along and just add some stuff in the margin. Um, Let's see. What? Oh, she's making more copies. I think what that one means is because we're... Did we make more copies? Okay. If you would like... So the Saturday before the class, so the day before, we'll email the, will you email the PDF? Uh, PDF The The PDF of the notes. And so if you would like, you can go ahead and print them out and bring them to class. It's fine with me. Um, Your paper instead of mine. (laughs) Please consider, oh yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was our good, good stewardship one. Uh, And then somehow, we don't know how this works yet, we're going to post the notes alongside the video uh, when it, I don't know how that works. Oh, you're a genius. Okay, so YouTube will have the audio video and then the email will have the PDF. You'll send a link about the. So, are you going to send it out to the whole email list every week? Not necessarily. But I feel okay. <laughs> Hint be nice to her. <laughs> uh, let's see. The reason we do. The reason we do an email list is there are times, oh yeah, upcoming classes are listed on your handout, yeah, there are some times when we'll observe a holiday or uh, sometimes we have to cancel class due to ice or illness, etc. cetera. Uh, we do have a great sub for Old Testament. If you haven't met Eve Salcedo, Eve uh, is a PhD from Southwestern, he and I, agree on many things. Probably not everything, but all the important things. So anyway, he may come and do a a class or two. Class email list. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the email will be sent out Saturday. Do what? Well, I have to push two buttons here, so this is not this is challenging my dexterity and coordination. Um, so the email list will come out Saturdays. It'll have upcoming dates and lessons, important class notes or cancellations, and fun trivia. The reading assignments uh, will the, the reading assignments will come in the email. Now that's Saturday. Yeah. I'll tell you at the end of every lesson what to read for next time. Uh, you undoubtedly have some quiet time material already. Sorry. Uh, would love it if you would read. You can read them as thoroughly or quickly as you feel like you want to read them. It is the Word of God. I might read the, the list, the, the assignment ahead of time. Uh, but you, you may do that. Okay, now, if a 5 p.m. service resumes, now, right now, there's no plans for one. But if the 5 p.m. resumes, then we would likely shift the time of this class back to 6.30. There are no plans for 5 o'clock right now. I'm just telling you, if that happens, that's probably what we'll do. Um, I hope that wouldn't be too big of an inconvenience Right now, that's no worries with that. And I'll try to give you plenty of heads up. No plans for that. Have I said that already? No plans for a 5 o'clock service right now. Uh, Please check in and wear a name tag. There might be um, some surveys that go out every once in a while to the email list. And so we'd love to get your feedback on some things. But the only way I can ask for your feedback is if you sign up. So if you haven't signed up on a clipboard, or, where would she go? I know she'll have a clipboard in the back that you can use uh, to do that. Email Laurie. Okay, ready? L-A-U-R-I-E, E, like mine is Bill E. Bill Egner. Hers is Laurie L a u r i e, e. At Christ Chapel BC. dot org. L a u r i e, e altogether. At Christ BC Bible Church. Christ BC. dot org. If you will email Laurie, she will get you um, squared away. Okay, anything that I missed? Probably not. Okay, finally, the purpose of the class. Here it is. This was probably the answer, a better answer than the one I gave you to the why question. To give you a chronological big picture of the Old Testament. I want you to have a chronological big picture. It will help you. I want you to have better knowledge of the Old Testament. Out of that better knowledge, my prayer is you'll have a deeper love for God and more heartfelt worship. The old te- so the New Testament is kind of like... Um, Paul writes um, like Scientific American articles. You know, they're kind of, um, I don't know, scholarly that's how Paul writes in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you get stories of people. And you can, you'll you be able to put yourselves in those people's places and go, oh. <laughs> so I love the stories, the character studies in the Old Testament. And I think you'll find that they'll be very enlightening to you if you've never looked at them before. Okay. Anything else before I get started? Honey? Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Okay. We, what is it, 5, gosh, 518. Well, we'll see how far we get. Genesis may be six lessons instead of five. We've had a lot of preliminary material. Let me pray for us, and then we will start in the beginning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you show us yourself in your word, through your word, uh, through just the words, through the characters that we run across, including yourself. Uh, May we fall more deeply in love with you and offer you more heartfelt worship as a result. We love you and pray for all of these things, for this entire class, for our entire time together, and we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is going to be a trick. Genesis. Some of you have heard about this book before. It's the first one. Part of what you have to do when you're looking at the Old Testament is you have to begin asking... You you have to remind yourselves, what is being written is not exactly being written for you. You were not the first audience that was intended. The first audience that was intended was Israel. And Israel in their particular situations. Genesis, right... Five books in the Pentateuch. Some of of these things will be on the quizzes. Oh, did I tell you about the quizzes? (laughs) What? Yeah, well, don't, don't, uh, you'll pass. You'll pass. Maybe barely, but you'll pass. You'll pass. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, five books of the Old Testament. Moses writes those all at one time. And we're going to talk about how we need to see, particularly Genesis, in light of why Moses is writing. So, when I've, as I've studied Genesis, remember, Genesis is not a scientific American article on creation and everything else that we want it to be a scientific treatise on. It's not that. It wasn't written for that purpose. Everything it says is true, right, and correct. But it wasn't written to satisfy the scientists and engineers, etc., of our day. Okay? Does that make sense? It's okay for you to nod your head. You can do that. You can't ask questions, but you can nod your head. Nodding of heads is good. Okay. Genesis is in here to show us the family tree of faith. The family tree of faith. So, who wrote Genesis? Written by Moses. Uh, Jesus spoke of uh, Moses as its author, uh, the apostles did, and so did in Acts 15. Yes, I know Acts is in the New Testament. Got it. I've read that one once or twice, too. In Acts chapter 15, verse 1, the Jewish objectors also attribute this book to Moses. So Moses wrote this book. When did Moses write this? Now, here comes the first part of your quiz. If you will look up, you're going to need your Bibles for this. So look up 1 Kings 6.1. 1 Kings 6.1. Now, Kings is in the Old Testament. 1 Kings six. Oh, one more thing I forgot to mention. Uh, A lot of people ask me what translation I read out of. I read out of, because I find that it reads very easily, I read out of the New Living Translation. This is not the Living Bible. This is the New Living Translation. It is a word-for-word translation, just like ESV, NASB, anything else, but it smoothed out. And when I read it, you'll say... Wow, that was easy to, to hear, easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along with what I read, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Otherwise, when I read something, you'll go, that's not what my translation says. Just giving you a heads up. I'm reading out of New Living Translation. You read out of whatever you want to, but that's why you'll hear a difference. 1 Kings one. It was mid-spring... In the month of Ziv, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign, that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. Solomon, extra-biblical records confirm, for the most part, 970 As the beginning of Solomon's reign. What would be the fourth year of Solomon's reign? 966. 966 plus 480 is? Your phones also have calculators. Go ahead. (laughs) Add it together. What do you come up with? 1446. You watch the History Channel. You watch these other channels that say, here's when the Exodus, if it occurred at all, here's when it occurred. You you don't have to wonder this. It's right here. 1 Kings 6.1. 1446 B.C. was the date of the Exodus. Hmm. How long are they in the wilderness after they come out of Egypt? Forty years. Moses writes this somewhere between 1446 and 1406 B.C. That's when he wrote this the, all five books, the Pentateuch. Okay? Pretty easy, right? You just got to know First Kings 6.1. That will be on the quiz. Yeah. Guaranteed. First Kings 6.1, big mile marker in the Old Testament. Where did he write it? Okay? Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Deuteronomy, chapter 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. And it tells where they were camped. Verse 3, but 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people, telling them everything the Lord commanded him to say. Verse 5, while the Israelites were in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained the Lord's instructions as follows. Moses has compiled what the Lord has shared with him, and he is now sharing it with Israel before they cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. That's the situation. Moses, he's probably been taking notes all along the way, but he compiles all of this material into these five books and he's going to give it to Joshua and the rest of the leaders as they go over the river into the promised land. He's answering one question. How did we get here? How did we come to stand on the east side of the Jordan River, ready to walk over this river into the promised land with a covenant made to Abraham. How did we get here? Moses says, let me tell you. And so he begins with what he did not see. God would have shared that with him. He begins with creation, Adam and Eve, and he walks his way on through until they come to the place of saying, aha, this is us, and this is how we got here. That's why Moses is writing the big picture of why he's writing all five of these books, but particularly Genesis. How did we get here? And so Moses is going to be most concerned with sharing the family tree of faith because the children of Israel were supposed to exercise faith when they lived, right, when they followed God, but as they crossed in the promised land, he wanted them to walk by faith, right? So far, so good, right? Okay. Genesis supplies the historical basis for God's covenant with his people. Uh, One of the things that you're going to learn in here, uh, the next thing you're going to learn in Genesis is going to be in Genesis 12, and it's called the Abrahamic Covenant. You may have heard about the Abrahamic Covenant before. You may have no idea what the Abrahamic Covenant is about. You're going to learn it. And it is going to change your entire understanding of the Old and New Testament. This morning, we had the, the little plastic thing, right? Yeah, the Lord's Supper. Remember that? That little plastic thing? And what? The, the one I saw was at 11. You may have seen the one at 9. 9. If you saw 11, what did Bill Hampton tell you that Jesus said about this Lord's Supper? This is the New Covenant, and you're like, yeah, great, not that old covenant, got the new one. Do you know what you're saying? I'm going to guess not. So that's why there's a quiz tonight on your way home. It'll be a short answer or essay, and you can explain to me what you think the New Covenant Is all about. Once you learn the Abrahamic covenant, you're going to say, Are you kidding me? Come on. I'm I'm laying it out there. You don't want to watch the Cowboys next week. You want to come and hear about the Abrahamic covenant. But that's the covenant that's in mind here. Genesis supplies the historical basis for God's covenant with his people. Moses is addressing how did we get here. How and why did God come to choose Abraham? Abraham is a monstrous figure, not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. Remember, the times you run across Abraham, it's like Jesus says, you know, before Abraham was, I am. And you go, yeah, yeah, Abraham. He's one of those Old Testament guys. Wait till we talk about Abraham. He is a giant in the Old Testament, and God gave him a covenant. I mean, this guy is a central figure in the whole Old Testament. How did God come to make a covenant with him? How did God come to bring us into this promised land? And so Moses lays out the family tree of faith, linking Abraham back to Adam. That's what he's doing. He's also there's a minor thing in here. <coughs> excuse me. There's a minor thing in here that you were created on purpose, not by accident. I'm looking over my glasses. You understand what I just said? You were created on purpose by an all-knowing, all-loving, sovereign God. You are not the product of chance that's a sub point going on in Genesis but the main point is this is the family tree of faith and this leads to how we're right here ready to walk over the Jordan River into the promised land why does Moses lay this out because he wants them to learn the lessons of their ancestors When he starts talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, he wants the people to understand how they lived their lives with all the pluses and all the minuses so that they can be instructed and learn those lessons and live like they're supposed to as they go into the promised land. See how easy Genesis is? It's really easy. It's really just creation, and then there's four character studies Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That's it. And he wants the people of Israel to go, you know, this is, we should live like this, but not like that. And he's giving them the stories of people to make his case. They're going to learn the lessons of their ancestors. Now, each week, I'm going to try and give you a big idea of the whole lesson that we're covering. Tonight's big idea, this is my interpretation of Moses' Moses's, Mo, Moses's, Moses's big idea. And here it is, obeying God's Word. What does he want the people on the east side of the Jordan River to know? He wants them to know that obeying God's Word is the key to usefulness, fruitfulness, and blessing. That's what he wants them to learn. And so he's going to start off in the first 11 chapters and begin to unfurl that flag. You say, well, how in the world do you know this? Did you just make it up? You said you forgot everything in the beginning of class. You're just making this up, right? Yeah, actually, no. when you read a book, um, well, I should say, when I read a book, uh, the chapter headings... Do you ever look at the table of contents and you look at the chapter headings? Because what are you trying to find out? What are you trying to find out? You're trying to find out what the author's intention is because everyone writes for a reason. Nobody just... They just write a stream of consciousness and then they sell it and you buy it and go, oh, this is a crazy thing. People write to be understood... And to communicate a message. Now, you may not agree with the message, but you want to understand their message. How do you understand their message? Because you follow their chapter divisions, right? This is, this is not a mystery to you. How do I know what the chapter divisions are in the book of Genesis? Guess what? Moses gave us a clue. In fact, it's on the third page, last page of your handouts. Huh? Oh, sorry. Last, is it? End of the lesson. There should be a book chart on Genesis. Now, some of you who have different translations, the, the New Living Translation does not necessarily, in my opinion, do great justice to this, but it does give a nod to it. And for instance, you well, for instance, you've noticed the repeated phrase, this is the account of, or something like that. Right? How many of you see that? Like chapter two, verse four of Genesis. The New Living Translation says this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. If I go to chapter 5, verse 1, I get this is the written account of the descendants of Adam. Look at that book chart at the end. Do you see what Moses is doing? The first section is Genesis 1-1 through 2-3. And what's its title? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What do we have in Genesis 1-1 through 2-3? God creating the heavens and the earth. Chapter 2, verse 4. Okay, Again, mine says... This is the account of the creations of the heavens and the Earth. I want you to think of it this way. Moses is saying, "Well, then whatever happened to the heavens and the earth? Well, something happened to it. Well then what's the next section? Look at the book chart. What's the next section? Well, whatever happened to Whatever happened to Adam? He's just leading you down the road. By his chapter divisions. These are Moses's. Is that right? Is it Moses's? He's leading you through his book, and this is what he wants you to know. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and some stuff happens. Well, whatever happened to the heavens and the earth that God created? Here's what happened. And so you get into the next section, which starts at chapter 2, verse 4, and goes through the end of chapter 4. And then you start chapter 5. What's chapter 5? Chapter 5 says, this is the written account of the descendants of Adam. Well, that's what happened to the heavens and the earth that God created. Whatever happened to Adam? And so he leads you through. Here's what happened to Adam. See how easy Genesis is? You just got to be looking for the right things. It's like we're on a treasure hunt. These are called the Toledotes. Toledote is variously interpreted or translated. You know, this is the account of or um, something like that. All of those little chapter divisions are in there. Go back and check me. They are all there. Moses starts off with God creates everything. He doesn't say from nothing, but Hebrews 11 verse 3 tells us it's from nothing. That's called ex. Nilo, ex-Nilo. God creates everything that is seen from nothing. How does he do it? He speaks it. He is amazing. Have you thought about your body? You know, and even doctors these days go, oh my gosh, we just discovered something, something, something. And God says, yeah, pretty good idea, wasn't it? (laughs) I thought of that. (laughs) Have you looked at a tree? You know, you just look at a tree and you go, Gosh, how does it know this? Yeah, did that one too. The sky, the rain, everything. God has thought about this in the most... Do you follow the um, James Webb telescope? That new telescope they launched? (laughs) Stunning photographs we have never seen before. And God said, yeah, I put that there. I knew you'd find it. What do you think? And back to Mark Bailey's sermon this morning. Certain communities go, oh, I worship you. Unbelievable. And others go, yeah, whatever. It's just something smashed into something that made a ring. Big deal. Happens all the time. Unbelievable. All right. Moses' chapter divisions are, this is the account of, and I want you to paraphrase it as, whatever became of, or whatever happened to. So as you go through that book chart, you can see it listed right out there. He talks about one thing, and then the next one over, he talks about, well, what's the implication of this one? Well, then what happened here? And he'll pick up on the, uh, he'll pick up, on the non-chosen line first. Okay, so for instance, when you get to the, well, whatever happened to Esau comes later. Whatever happened to Esau, he'll tell you that, and then he'll tell you whatever happened to Jacob. So he'll go off on a kind of a, it's not a dead-end branch, but he'll kind of go down this little dead-end branch, and then he'll go to the, his storyline, which is, let me tell you all about Jacob. And then he'll get down a little further, and he'll give you another little kind of a dead-end branch. And then he'll come back, and he'll tell you the story. He's just telling us a story of how God created everything on purpose and how everything after that has rolled out to the people of Israel. Oh, this is so good. My goodness. If you're not excited right now, I don't know what's wrong with you. The first section begins with a summary statement. This is the only section that does not begin with a Toledote. Why? It doesn't have to. It's a new thought. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a summary statement. Just like this is the account of. But it's a, it's a headline. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Gosh, so much good stuff in here. Oh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He sovereignly creates the habitations of all other Old Testament deities. Some of them lived supposedly in the sky. Some of them supposedly lived in the the water. Some of them supposedly lived on the ground. Some supposedly had control over the rain. God has created the place where all of these other supposed deities live. What are the chances God's going to build a house for a false deity? Oh, probably zero. With this, as he begins this uh, laying out 1-1 through 2-3, he destroys the arguments of all of these other pretend deities. Wait a minute. You know, you got control of the rain. Gosh, my God created the heaven and the earth. And everything in them. Where does that leave your guy? Oh, nowhere. But Israel was slow to believe that. But the prophets weren't. So the prophets had to be sent to correct the people. Because they got wandering down crazy roads. Whoa, let's not go there. That'll preach. Stop it. This is what God has created some some of your translations anyone here have new american standard okay read the beginning of verse 2 chapter 1 verse 2 the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. In, in chapter 1 verse 2 in new american standard yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh that didn't have it um, Somebody's gotta have it says now in OW. Yours has now. Begins verse two begins. Oh, it's so hard to pull that whiteboard out right now. Okay, in Hebrew, there's a little tiny letter called Avav. It looks like a little apostrophe. Okay. You use vav many times to signal the change of thought or idea or paragraph. It is usually associated with a temporal marker. Remember when, now, the New Testament was written in Greek, but remember Mark saying this morning about then being a time marker? Remember he said then, you know, and then then? That's what now is at the beginning of verse 2. There is a circumstantial, if if you were looking at the Hebrew, you would see the beginning of a circumstantial clause at the beginning of verse 2, which means now something happens. Now what happens? We run across the earth, and it is formless and void. Now wait a minute. Is formless and void... A good thing or a bad thing? And if you will go look up these verses, it doesn't show up many more times than this. In fact, this may be all. Formless and void, most often, few references, most often, when you see these two words together, most often mean um, it has to do with sin and destruction. Um, An army lays waste to someone, and what's left behind it is formless and void. Wait a minute. What? Uh, if God created this ex nihilo, how does God create things? Good. Right? We're going to find out God creates good. This is not good. Why is this not good? The Spirit of God is there. He's hovering Why might the earth be formless and void? Because there was a rebellion in the angelic realm. God created an angelic realm before he created the earth. You say, how do you know that? Here we go. The angels sang of the creation of the earth. The angels sang. They're already there. They're, woo-hoo, way to go, God. They're cheering him on. Well, what do the angels do? Well, Paul tells us they have ranks and roles. We know that they're ministers, messengers, and servants, from Hebrews 1.14, we know they were created to worship God. Remember in Isaiah 6 when Isaiah is, you know, he finds himself in the temple of God and you've got the, these beings flying around and they've got wings and eyes everywhere and some of them are covering and they're covering and they're flying around. And what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy. That's what they do. They worship God. Ezekiel 10 says the same thing. Job 38 says the same thing. Angels were created to worship God. God as well I mean this Hebrews 114 I don't know how much time you spent on Hebrews 114 Angels are ministering spirits sent to help those who will inherit salvation Now I don't know about every one of you but if every one of you in here has trusted Jesus Christ as your savior there is some angelic stuff going on with you for good. Not for bad, for good. They are ministering spirits. God sends them to minister to you and to me on his behalf. What does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) I have lots of questions, (laughs) but that's what it says, and I believe it. But they're there to worship God primarily. So angels, oh, there it is. Sorry, gosh, I'm getting messed up in my... Clickers here. Angels were created to recognize and to submit to God's authority. Problem? Lucifer, the most intelligent, the most, I don't know what it means, most beautiful, angelic creature ever God came up with. He fell to pride. He has subjects. As Mark reminded us this morning, could be as much as a third of the angelic host. How many is that? I don't know. (laughs) But it sounds like it could be a lot. His warfare, many of the things that can come and go into our lives, oftentimes we attribute to circumstance or this or that. Spiritual warfare perhaps is a little more real than we think it is. What did Lucifer do? He challenged God's sovereignty and worship. God's judgment. What does Paul call him? The ruler of the kingdom of the air. Where was Satan sent over the earth. Why would something be formless and void? Perhaps, I'm suggesting to you, the angelic rebellion occurred, and what is now in front of us in Genesis 1-2 is we are staring at enemy territory. And what does God do? oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I sent Satan there, but I want to remake it. I want to do it. I'm stuck. What does God do? He steps in to enemy territory and he reclaims what's his and he adds new life to it. Whoa. What does he do with the earth? He steps in And makes it a very good place. Now, some of you are thinking right now, I can see the wheels spinning, and you're saying, Bill, I've always heard that good evangelicals believe the earth is 6,000 to 7,000 years old. Uh, That's possible. All things are possible, not all things are equally probable. Remember the difference between possibility and probability in your math? No, some of you just you glazed over right there. All things are possible, but not all things are equally probable. Is the earth 6,000 years old? It could be. That's up to God. To get there, you must make a couple of assumptions. One, you know what a generation's length is. Is it 40 years? Is it 20? Is it 60? I don't know, but you'll make an assumption about what it is. The second assumption, which is far harder, is you will assume that genealogies in the Bible are closed, meaning every generation is listed in a, in a, a genealogy. If a, if a genealogy is closed and you multiply by 40, you could come up with some numbers. You can what if a genealogy isn't closed? What if the genealogy is open? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Is Matthew's genealogy open or closed? Because he does seven, seven, seven. We know there were far more generations in between these seven. He's just picked off these seven. That's an open genealogy. You go, well, what about the one in First Chronicles? Yeah, that's a pretty exhaustive one. I'm going to argue that genealogies in the Bible are open, not closed. If they are open, then I don't care what number you assign to it. You cannot backward calculate the age of the earth. What do I know? God ex nihilo created the heavens and the earth and everything else in them. You have not heard me say anything other than that. Ex nihilo, God created it. Something, I believe, happened to the earth. Now, how long was it between those two things? I don't know. How long was it between when that happened and when God, now, he steps in in verse 2? I don't know. But it could be a long time. Or it could be a short time. It's not the point of Genesis to tell you. Just answering a commonly asked question. (laughs) How old is the earth? I don't know. Could be 6,000 years old, could be really old. It doesn't matter to me. Verse 2 helps me with God created it and it would have been good and He would have created it out of nothing. Something happened to it and then we pick up the story in Genesis 1 2, because now God's going to step into the situation. You understand what I'm telling you? Don't run to the elders and say, Bill's a heretic. because I'm not. God sovereignly steps in and makes a very good, whoops, yeah, very good place for mankind. Does he, in fact, I think he might, invade Satan's territory? Do you remember when Satan takes Jesus three places? And he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything you can see. Does Jesus go, it's not yours to give? Whose are they? Temporarily. <laughs> They're his. Not, not Jesus. They're Satan's. Satan does have the power to do that. He's been given, in a sense, he's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. This is his place. What does God do? He invades Satan's territory redeeming what had formerly become corrupt. And you say, man, you are a crazy person. John chapter 1. I know, that's in the New Testament. Go ahead, turn there. John chapter 1. Remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. suggestion why does John pick up on creation imagery he clearly does because maybe what Jesus is doing with us is what God did with creation in John chapter 1 he didn't give the right you know he this is what he did and not only that he, he reclaimed what was his, and he put new life into it that was never there before. That's what Jesus does. Does that sound like what his dad did? Yeah. So I suggest that to you. Am I going to the stake for that one? Nope. <laughs> but who knows? There is creation imagery going on in John chapter 1. Where would it have come from? It would have come from Genesis 1. And if you kind of pull way back theologically and see that God the Father is stepping into Satan's territory, reclaiming what was his, and what else does he do, right? He makes gardens and people. He puts life into it that had never been there before. You go, whoa, that's amazing. John says, yeah, he didn't just do it with creation. (laughs) He did it with us. He reclaims what's his. He puts new life into it that had never been there before. And it's now fit and made ready for God's purposes. Don't know. All things are possible. In chapter 1 of Genesis, God forms and fills with new life what was formerly formless and void, now making it fit. For his purposes. So he creates man in his image and likeness. Oh, whoops, hold on. With a mind to know him, with the emotional capacity to love him, and with a will to obey him. With a purpose to revere, reveal, and rule in God's place. Where does God send us? Behind enemy lines. Have you, have you figured out yet that this world is not our home? I think there's a song about that. I don't know. Have you, have you figured that out? <laughs> this world is not inclined to God. It never has been. Sometimes it's been a little more friendly to us than at other times. But this is always behind enemy lines. And so our purpose is to revere God, reveal him to everyone we come in contact with by the way we speak, the way we act, etc., and to rule as his representatives. Ah, Wow! (laughs) He does all this through the sovereign agencies of his word, And his spirit, and Adam now. At the end of chapter 2, verse 3, Adam stands ready to fulfill God's purpose for him. That's how Genesis begins. Moses is telling the story. How did we get here? Well, here's how God set it up, here's what he did. And he picked his guy, and his guy was ready to fulfill his purposes. And then next week, we'll find out what happened. We will finish 1 through 11 and start into 12 next week. Let me pray for us. It is 6.01, and we will be finished for tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways that you have worked in our lives that have been unseen, sending your angels to minister to us uh, in ways we hopefully one day will get to know. Uh, Help us to live on purpose, the purpose that you have given us that we might revere, uh, revere you, reveal you to our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, and be able to carry out the purpose for which you uh, called us to yourself. We love you and we thank you and pray you do that, please, through your word and through your spirit. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.